championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live post-game show. Make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. The Lakers just finished up their fifth preseason game against the Golden State Warriors. No, still did not get that elusive win. And I know there's a lot of people that are going to be upset about that. But don't focus too much on the result in, in this one. We'll break down exactly what happened and all of that. Yes, it would have been great to get a W, but I did like a lot of what we saw out of the Lakers in this game, and I'll explain why. Uh, we're going to dive into all of that. But first, joining me is Skylar Treppel from Lakers Nation. Skylar, how are you doing, man? You know, I'm doing good overall, Trevor. Uh, thank you for for the great introduction of what we're going to be covering on the show, because I think that overall uh, fans need to remember that this is not a preseason like past Lakers preseasons. Many years ago, preseason was not even a word in Lakers fans vocabulary. Um, then it became a staple once Kobe got his injuries. And now we're back. The Lakers are back to being good. So people should don't need to worry too much about getting wins. It's never been less important in the preseason in a long time for the Lakers. Uh, it's all about tonight and what we saw out of the big three and the flashes of potential. So I agree with you, Trevor. I actually liked a lot of what I saw tonight, considering it from that lens. Yeah, I think there's going to, we're going to see a very big difference tonight in terms of the comments and just the reaction between those who watched the game and those who kind of sort of maybe paid a little bit of attention to the game while they were mostly watching the Dodgers. Because if you just kind of paid attention and weren't really watching it, you saw the final score and you went, oh, the sky is falling. This is awful. This yeah. is the worst thing ever. Whereas if you were really watching the game and saw what was going on, you probably feel a little bit better about this Lakers team than you did before this game happened, which might sound weird considering you would go into this game thinking, man, they should win this. No Steph Curry, no Clay Thompson. Obviously, he's still out hurt until probably January, uh, maybe late December, and no Dream on Green for the Warriors. But again, I thought the Lakers, in a lot of ways, looked better than we've seen in the past preseason games. Also, before we go any further, congratulations to the Dodgers forcing a game five against the Giants. Let's go Dodger Blue. If you guys are not following Dodger Blue 1958 on Twitter, you are doing it wrong. That is our sister site. They are doing a tremendous job covering the Dodgers. And uh, the Dodger Blue YouTube channel is also a phenomenal place to go check out. So make sure you guys do that. All right. So let's get into this. And in fact, let's just kick this thing off. We've got this year, not two segments. We've got three segments, three awards that we're going to be giving out. And the first award that we've got is the 360 award for the best of the Lakers stars of the night. The Lakers, the big 360, three, six and zero. That's their numbers. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. So Skyler, let's start with that one chat. If you're coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, welcome in. Fire it off. Tell us who you thought was the best out of the Lakers stars tonight. Let me know what you think. But Skyler, let's get your thoughts. Absolutely. For me, it is unquestionably number three for the big three uh, for three segments now. It is Anthony Davis beginning his revenge season. What I found about Anthony Davis tonight is that the strength is paying off. You see those one-handed finishes mm -hmm. and they look not just not even more athletic, but more powerful. 
the power that Anthony Davis is playing with while still having a little bit of the shooting touch. We saw him make a couple jump shots. He could use some work. Uh, was just great. You know, 20 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Anthony Davis. He can do it all. And this was a game where they weren't even going 100%. Uh, I think Russell Westbrook is really going to unlock Anthony Davis. The whole Russell Westbrook with LeBron off ball is going to create more opportunities. Um, so for me personally, 360 award goes to Mr. Anthony Davis, who will have his revenge season this year. Agree 100%. I don't think there's even a debate here. It's Anthony Davis in this one. He was solid. 7 for 12 shooting. And like you said, 6 boards, 20 points, 6 for 9 from the free throw line, which unfortunately is not nice. But uh, AD had a, a nice performance. He looked a lot better than we've seen in the last few games in terms of just activity level, sharpness overall. He's been trying on the defensive end of the floor, and you've got gotten little flashes. But I thought today we got a bit more of a, of a feel for where AD is right now, and that's given me a lot more confidence. He also started at center this game. The Lakers decided to go ahead and roll that out, which is interesting because Frank Vogel heading into preseason said, you know what, the final couple of games, that's where we're going to really start to fine-tune things. And it's probably going to look fairly similar to what we'll see in the regular season. The first four preseason games, that's where we're going to be just experimenting like crazy, throwing out tons of different lineups, all sorts of things just to see what works and what doesn't. Well, this is game five. So in theory, this is what the Lakers are thinking to start the season. Now, I will throw in the disclaimer that they've had so many injuries that that may have changed how they're approaching this. So from the beginning of preseason to now, maybe that shifted to where this isn't the opening night lineup. But if he's sticking with what he said going in, Anthony Davis at center appears to be the first option. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Seriously, again, it's just that power that Anthony Davis is playing with, uh, with that bigger strength, with that bigger frame, with the strength he put on in the offseason. I'm really liking what I see out of Anthony Davis. And um, there's a strong possibility, Trevor, that he could end up being the best player on the Lakers this season. It will have to happen at some point. And just loving this LeBron off-ball edition, um, I think that will save LeBron's legs a little bit, yeah. for sure. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's get into some of the questions and comments coming in here from YouTube. Al Coro uh, with a super chat. Thank you. Said, Trevor, who do you see as sixth man for the Lakers this season? I say Mello. I think that's a pretty good yeah. pick. What we saw to Carmelo Anthony tonight confirmed that. He's the kind of guy who can get you buckets. Four for 12 shooting overall is not great. But we also saw when he gets that corner three going and the Lakers really look to find him there, he can knock it down, hit two of them. It was only two for seven from deep. Again, the percentages weren't great, but I think he can be an asset for them on the offensive end of the floor. So a couple of plays, too, where defensively, he's not going to be good there. He's probably not even going to be average on the defensive end of the floor. But there were a couple of times where just the smarts from being a around in the NBA so many times, allowed him for so many years, allowed him to make a play on the defensive end of the floor that a less experienced player wouldn't have made. So 13 points on the night for Carmelo Anthony. I liked what we saw in him. So he would be my pick right now. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more personally. And that's if he's not starting, Um, you know, first of all, Melo could definitely start. But here's the thing, Trevor, and and we'll get into this because I know we have more awards coming up. But uh, second half Melo was looking nice. So I think you're going to need him to close out games. Uh, Not sure about starting, but. If he's not starting, unquestionably mellow for six man. Yeah. Not even not even a debate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, here we go. So Stevie Bang from Facebook said, stressing over nothing. LeBron will not let us lose like this in the regular season. 
LeBron, like, if you've been watching LeBron over the course of his career, even if you've only been watching him during his time as a Laker, it's very obvious when he's pushing on the gas pedal and when he's not. And I thought this was a game where you could really tell when the team was trying. It's almost like they just might as well put out a neon sign um, or, you know, the substitution signs that you see in soccer. Have somebody on the yeah. bench just stand up with one and have it be green when they're actually trying and red when they're not because yeah. it's pretty clear when they are pushing down on the gas pedal and when they're just like, eh, it's preseason. LeBron was very much in MEH mode. Just, it's preseason. I'm not going to try that hard. He went through a few offensive moves where you went, okay, he, he you know went for it a little bit there. But six turnovers for LeBron, very uncharacteristic of him. And frankly, the reaction after he turned the ball over was just kind of whatever. He doesn't care that much about preseason. And I think we saw that, but we also saw how good he can be when he tries even just a little bit. Yeah, exactly, Trevor. That was the thing was that, no, he wasn't trying that hard. But in those moments, especially at the beginning, uh, there was a very quick flash of LeBron hitting like these three inside buckets. That's particularly the Westbrook getting it to him in transition. I think we saw a little bit of that off-ball LeBron tonight. And I think he will be able to say, meh a little bit more as the Lakers continue to win uh, with Russell Westbrook taking some of those ball handling duty pressure off of him. Yeah. And I've got a, a lot of people in the chat that are not thrilled with the night from Russell Westbrook. So let's talk a little bit about him. Sure. I'm going to get into Frank Vogel's comments as well, because he is talking right now. Uh, but Russell Westbrook on the night, three for nine shooting one for three from three, uh, one for three from three is Fine with me from Russ. I think that's a solid volume and solid percentage there to hit. Three of four from the line, 10 boards, six assists, one block, five turnovers, 10 points. Um, what are we thinking here about Russ? I, I feel like he's still out of sync with the team. Uh, are we just just be patient here with Russell Westbrook? Or or how are we how are we feeling right now, Skyler? Absolutely have to be patient because it is preseason that doesn't mean there aren't things that aren't legitimate concerns uh, but again it is preseason so in the regular season which we didn't see it's very funny but Russell Westbrook actually needs to be a little bit more aggressive uh, I want to see those shots in the paint with him mm -hmm. and that's how he can get those really nice kickout drives personally again on paper not too pretty first half even not too pretty for Westbrook except on the passing end started to get into his scoring bag a little bit more. Uh, so I think it's just going to take time. This was literally the first time the three of them have played together mm -hmm. in the actual offense that they will dictate. Um, so personally, again, I wasn't expecting it to be a home run best game we've seen from Russ. Um, I was looking more, what are the positives here? And so I think we saw a few of those, you know, with him getting the double-double literally in his sleep. Uh, Lakers fans will see how much he can do that with the triple-double as well. And that transition game, Trevor, just the flashes of that uh, give a lot of hope for this season and how fun this team will be to watch and what they can do. There were some moments in transition that looked really good. Uh, Frank Vogel talking after the game, uh, talking about Anthony Davis at center. I didn't like our spacing in a lot of situations. Remember, the starting lineup was Russell Westbrook. Kent Bazemore, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis. And yeah, like the spacing was not great. I'll also tell you another issue that I had with, with Westbrook, and this is something that the Lakers as a team actually have to deal with. The Lakers would run pick and roll, and Russ would be off the ball. So it was a LeBron AD pick and roll, which has been death to the opposing team for a couple of years now, right? And they would run that, and Russ's defender would leave him 
and run into the paint to cut off any angle for a pass from LeBron to AD and was perfectly fine leaving Westbrook standing behind the three-point line. Now, there was one play where LeBron hit Westbrook and Russ tried to make a move and kind of stumbled and then kicked the ball to somebody else and it wound up kind of being a jumbled play. And then after that, LeBron didn't hit him and the ball went elsewhere. It was interesting that that was in the first quarter already the Warriors game plan. Hey, if you are guarding Russell Westbrook on the LeBron AD pick and roll, leave him and go break this thing up. That's a concern for me moving forward. There are ways the Lakers can counter that, but Mm -hmm. to see teams so brazen about leaving Westbrook, that's something that the Lakers are going to have to figure out a way to make them pay for because that's something that a lot of teams are going to do. It's a really interesting point, Trevor, and it's not good. I think, though, that there are, as you said, ways to counter it. Uh, So first of all, again, using LeBron as that off-ball option. Mm -hmm. If you have Westbrook initiating the offense with either LeBron or especially Anthony Davis uh, running that pick-and-roll there, I think that's going to be good. Also, Westbrook cutting into the hoop, uh, Trevor, is something that I'm very curious about. Um, but I'm not sure if that would ruin the spacing. So again, um, hopefully Russ can learn to make him pay a little bit, orchestrate the offense, or cut to the basket. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly like to see some off-ball movement there from Russ, but that's something that they've been working on for years now that we've been talking about with with Westbrook. So hopefully that's something that does eventually seep into his offense. But uh, there's something that's come up a lot too with him where people have said, look, he started slow everywhere. And it just takes them some time yep. sometimes to get going. So that's something to factor in as well. But bottom line, it hasn't looked great from him. We've seen some good moments. Another issue, and I don't mean to pile on Westbrook here, but another issue that we're seeing is a lot of the turnovers, particularly the live ball ones, and those are the most damaging turnovers. They're coming when he's driving into the paint, but because his man is sagging off of him so far, he's not forcing an extra defender to come over far enough onto him. So it's not like he's beating his man at the top of the key and the outside defender is coming in, leaving, say, Kent Bazemore in the corner. What's happening is his man is sagging so far off that he's getting contact with his man down below the free throw line, then trying to kick out Kent Bazemore or whoever's in the corner. Their defender hasn't left far enough, and that guy is just picking off the cross-court pass. That's something that's been a consistent problem the last few games that we've seen Westbrook mm-hmm. play. So that's going to need an adjustment as well. You can have the corner shooter pop up to the level of the ball. That's something that can help give him a bit more of a passing angle. But it's also on Westbrook to, in those situations, go up with the shot. I think sometimes he's a little too focused on getting everybody involved, and I think scoring mm-hmm. first mentality might actually open things up for him a bit more. Isn't that hilarious, Trevor? And I think that's one of the funniest narratives that is legitimately true for the Lakers is Russell Westbrook needs to be a little bit more selfish. Um, He is trying, which is shocking to say, but yeah, he's trying to get everyone involved. And and that's what I mean. Like, I really want to see that aggressiveness from Russell Westbrook, where he's driving to the hoop and he's getting his open looks or just even at the rim and finishing. And I think that once he can do that, Mm -hmm. he's going to feel a lot more comfortable in this offense. Yeah, and it's going to take time, and there's going to be some frustrating. 100%. There's going to be some frustrating moments, and I know fans are uh, are frustrated already. But again, some of this is to be expected. Uh, Nate W. with a super chat from YouTube said, "Why are we so sure Rondo can't be the second string point guard? He outplayed none uh, as recent as the finals last year, which was just a year ago. I mean, literally a calendar year ago. 
Uh, and seems to be the better point guard now. Nate, I'm starting to think that may need to be the case. I think we've seen moments where the Lakers offense has needed somebody who can facilitate, and that is not Kendrick Dunn. Kendrick Dunn is a scorer, and so I think we may be looking at exactly what you're talking about, where the Lakers, Coach Frank Vogel, has to put the ball in Rondo's hands in the second unit. Now, there's a way you can stagger uh, LeBron and Westbrook as well, but I think we may need to see more Rondo than we were anticipating because Kendrick Nunn isn't that kind of creator. And for the offense to have the kind of flow the Lakers are going to need, Rondo might need to be on the floor. And frankly, I thought he looked pretty good tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He he did look good tonight. Um, you know, it's funny, Trevor. Of course, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Los Angeles Lakers winning the yep. 2020 championship. So happy anniversary to all those who uh, celebrate that. But anyways, in that game six, Rondo was three for four uh, from three-point land. And see him hitting the three again tonight, it just reminded you of that 2020 Rondo and how much he could contribute. And I think that he really can run the floor, have a bigger role, and his role will increase uh, more than we expected. But definitely expect Kendrick Nunn to be a contributor. Just not sure he's that floor general type. Uh, Somebody asked Charles Weldon Jr. from YouTube, asked, Trevor, are you frustrated? Uh, No, actually, from this one, I'm more optimistic than anything. Look, Jordan Poole was tremendous. Damian Lee was tremendous. There was a point. Uh, Part of the way through the second quarter, I believe it was, I put it out there on Twitter, that the Lakers, they had like an eight-point lead at the time, but the Warriors were shooting 7% from three. Literally 7% on 16 attempts at the time. The Warriors spammed threes. And so I knew like this wasn't a big enough lead, and the problem was the turnovers, and the Warriors were going to start making some of those threes. So I thought, man, the Lakers, if they don't stop turning the ball over, don't stop giving up offensive boards, which that's another thing. Let's talk about the offensive boards next, the glass. But you could kind of feel it coming because the Warriors were getting so many good looks from three. And that was, that I think maybe was my biggest concern coming out of this game. Not so much Westbrook or even the turnovers. I think those will get cleaned up once the regular season gets started. It was defensively how many open looks the Warriors got. And that could be an effort thing, but it could also be a scheme thing. And that's where I really need to see regular season. Does that do those kind of looks start to get shut down or not? Because it felt all too easy for the Warriors to get threes through certain stretches of the game. There were other moments where the Lakers played hard and they looked good defensively, but we also saw a lot of holes still. Yeah, that's going to be really important throughout the season for sure. And that is where um, as much fun as it would be to have Carmelo Anthony in the starting lineup, that's where it would be pretty tough to sustain at the defensive level. So I think uh, as people get back from injuries, as we rotate the lineup, as the Lakers get comfortable with each other. Oh, and by the way, they have Anthony Davis, one of the greatest defenders in the game today. Uh, along with DeAndre and Dwight. I mean, again, it, it's preseason with a good team, and the better the team is, the less the preseason means. All right, so on the night, and I, and I agree with you on that, and we've seen that historically. Preseason doesn't count for much for the better teams. I am not ready to say the Lakers are this juggernaut of a team, right? They've got to figure things out. Oh. But on the night, the Warriors took 12 more shots than the Lakers. Why? Because the Warriors turned it over 12 times and the Lakers turned it over 20 times. That's actually an improvement from their last game in turnovers. 
It's hard to win basketball games when you turn the ball over that much. And then the Warriors had nine offensive boards to just six for the Lakers, and the Warriors were small. So, however, I was not that upset with the Lakers rebounding in this one. How does that make sense? Shouldn't we be pointing out offensive boards as a problem? Thing is, the Warriors, they took, of those 99 shots, 49 of them were threes. And what happens when you miss threes is you get these funky, long rebounds. And there were a number of times where I caught myself thinking, oh my gosh, the Warriors are getting another possession. And I look at the spacing on the floor. I look at where everybody's set up. And I went, man, the Lakers did what they were supposed to. They were boxed out. They were ready. And the ball just took a funky bounce because it bounced hard off the rim. And the Warriors were able to come away with it. It was the mid-range rebounds that the Warriors were sneaking in and grabbing, and that pumped up the offensive rebounding numbers. I think on most nights, the Lakers did a will have done a better job if they used the technique we saw this evening. Yeah, it's no question, really. And uh, when it comes to rebounding, we also got to give a shout-out to Carmelo Anthony uh, bringing his classic rebounding oh, yeah. yell to the Los Angeles it's, Lakers. Fans will get to see that all season. It's like Carlos Boozer is back in the house. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. Um, Nepton from, uh, from YouTube, how do you feel about Melo in the starting lineup? Thank you for the super chat. Uh, Melo in the starting lineup, I don't think that's where I want to see him in an ideal future here for the Lakers, right? We may see that short-term that's possible because they're dealing with so many injuries and they don't have very many wings left. Uh, But ideally, I think he's your bench scorer, and particularly because of defense, that's going to be an issue for him. But I don't see him as a (coughs) long-term starter for the Lakers. Yeah, you know, I think that with Melo, I would love to see him in the starting lineup for the offensive firepower, um, but it... Tonight, it really hit me that if he is in the starting lineup, the Lakers will likely give up too many threes on the perimeter. And so as amazing as it would be, I'm not sure he can be in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. But we'll get into it. I think that's exactly what you saw with the second half. It took a little while for Melo to get going. So I think if you if you spread his minutes correctly, uh, you can utilize him in a really incredible way, especially to close out games when you need to go get buckets. Uh, Somebody said, Carlos Boozer, that's disrespectful. You misunderstand me. I'm not saying Melo equals Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer would yell every time he grabbed a rebound. He would yell, hold that. And that was like his thing. So if you were if you were watching the Lakers back then, those are some dark times, by the way. But if you were watching yes. the Lakers back then, you know what I'm talking about. Melo, kind of similar that he's got like his catchphrase whenever he grabs the basketball for a rebound. So that's I'm not saying Melo equals Carlos Boozer. <laughs> no. Let's let's back up on that one. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, it's it's the rebound battle cry and uh and Mello is known for his couple of expletives in there uh there'll be some good comedy yeah. on that front throughout the season all right let's get into the next man up award so the next man up award is the guy who is not a star not one of the big three not one of the superstars who we thought stepped up the most on the night so chat let us know who do you think stepped up the most not named lebron anthony davis or Russell Westbrook. I think there's some interesting options here. There's a number of guys that we could look to that we could say really stepped up. Uh, some of the veterans, but I'll let you go first here, Skyler. Who do you think stepped up the most? All right. Now, I really want to give it to Carmelo uh-huh. Anthony, but again, that first half was was abysmal. It was abysmal, and then he he heated up in the second half, hit the two corner threes, and was looking like Melo. Uh-huh. 
So I'm going with someone who had a consistent game on both sides of the floor. Uh, someone, Trevor, that we saw in person hit a game winner in summer yep. league. I'm going with Hillbilly Kobe. Austin Reeves uh, getting it done on both sides of the floor. I love when he calmly runs out and shoots a three, showing off a little bit of his offensive bag, uh, but also really good on the defensive end. And uh, I, I think he just gives a great mentality uh, to do all the little things all around the Lakers. And I think he might be able to contribute some valuable minutes this year. Yeah. Um, I was looking at a number of guys here, and I think you could give an honorable mention to say Dwight Howard. I thought he did some good things. Rajon Rondo yeah. had a nice performance, six points, mm. nine boards, five assists, two or three from deep. Great performance there. But I just, I want to talk about Austin Reeves more. So I'm going with him for my next man up again. The other guys are also very, very deserving. But yeah. HBK, my goodness, what a, what a find, right? Undrafted, yeah. and look, yes, I know, I know, he could have been drafted. He declined the opportunity to get drafted because he wanted to wind up at the Lakers. Maybe that makes his mystique all the, all the greater, right, that he was able to, to kind of push his way to the Lakers because this is where he wanted to be. But here's, here's my big thing with Austin Reeves. In Summer League, all the talk, for those of you who paid attention to Summer League, was Joel Ayayi, who we need to talk about him in a bit too. Maybe he's just not showing that well in Summer League because he's the kind of guy that is just going to look better when better players are around him. Some players are like that. Okay, Alex Caruso is, is like that. And I don't want to start comparing players to Alex Caruso. I'm just saying he has that kind mm -hmm. of makeup where he looks better sure. when the team around him is better than when he's asked to kind of carry the whole burden. And we said, okay, maybe that's Joel Ayayi. Maybe we'll see better things out of him during the regular season. No, as it turns out, that's Austin Reeves. What we saw in Summer League was Austin Reeves being asked to do too much. What we're seeing now is how impactful he can be when he's got better players around him. And the best compliment I can give Austin Reeves at this point as an undrafted player who nobody picked just a couple of months ago, and he had an opportunity to get drafted in the second round, didn't take it, right? But bottom line, this was not a first-round pick or anything. He looks like he belongs. He looks yeah comfortable on the floor. He looks like he belongs out there. He makes plays. I think we saw a little bit of the being asked to do too much element when he was playing alongside the South Bay Lakers players uh, late in the fourth quarter. That's when you saw him having to force things and you saw some mistakes start to pop up. Mm -hmm. But when he can just play his game alongside LeBron, alongside AD, Russell Westbrook, whoever it is, time after time after time, both ends of the floor, he's making great plays. Now, it's very early. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but man, Austin Reeves yeah. looks good, and he looks like a guy that you could give minutes to and feel confident that he's not going to go out there and lose a game for you, and there's not many players who are found even in the second round, sometimes even in the first round, who you can say that about. Yeah, absolutely. That That's something with preseason. I find that the bad things don't translate as much as the good things. And between summer league and preseason, Austin Reeves has looked great. Mm -hmm. But to see him with that NBA talent tonight, superstar NBA talent, I mean, 34 all-star appearances between AD, LeBron, and Westbrook, uh, he, he didn't look out of place. Exactly at all and that's extremely impressive and just to have someone I think he can carve out a really nice role as a defensive stopper with a little bit of uh, offensive creativity as well and he, here's the thing again I want to be careful here because we can 
we can get really excited about Austin Reeves, right? We're going to see yeah. memes of him with his head on HBK's body. I may have started working on one already. No yes. promises, right? But we can get set our expectations so high that we forget that he's still a rookie, that he's going to take some time to, to really get his legs under him. So far, so good, though, to the point where I think he could get, actually, and I wouldn't have said this a week ago. I would have said this two weeks ago, that he I think he can get real regular season minutes for the Lakers, I think perhaps the best indicator of how the players on the team feel about him is watch LeBron. Watch LeBron when he was on the floor and who he passed the ball to. There were a number of times where LeBron had two options in opposite corners. Chandy Brown in one corner, who I love, and Austin Reeves in the other, and LeBron consistently sent the ball to Austin Reeves. The Lakers players across the board did not hesitate to give him the ball because they trust that he's going to do the right thing, mm-hmm. where if they hit him for the shot, yes. he's going to knock it down. To me, that was, beyond what anybody's going to say, that was the biggest sign that the rest of the guys are buying in and confirming what we're seeing out there on the floor. I completely agree, and I think that's why he looked so comfortable and so like he was in place with these Lakers. And then even during the South Bay Lakers portion, he had a beautiful inside pass to Chauncey Brown. And, and yeah, just overall, Austin Reeves, that's what I liked is he knows what to do with the basketball. He knows how to make the right play. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to see if this translates, but these are very promising flashes and uh, just an excellent you know, excellent, excellent uh, gamble by the Lakers on Austin Reeves. Um, I do. Before I get to this super chat, I've got one coming in from Hector 13. I do want to take a minute and talk about Joel Ayayi. Um, I thought it, it might be significant that Chandi Brown got minutes ahead of him when the Lakers needed to turn to a wing. It was Austin Reeves and Chandi Brown sharing the floor in the second quarter and not Joel Ayayi. In fact, on the night, Ayayi got six minutes Chandy Brown, 23 minutes, 5 for 10, 11 points. He had a solid, I mean, it wasn't a spectacular night, but it would not surprise me at all. And I think from what I've seen in the chat, a lot of other fans are supporting me. It would not surprise me at all to learn tomorrow, maybe that maybe after Thursday, that the Lakers were parting ways with Ayayi and then opening up a two-way spot for Chandy Brown. I feel like he has indeed moved ahead of him. That was the sense we had in Summer League. That has not changed now that we've gotten into preseason. Yeah, it's true. Unfortunately, I think AI had a lot of promise, um, but given, and it doesn't mean that he can't find a place for himself in the NBA eventually, but yeah, it's just he didn't really perform or make much of an impact in Summer League. And unfortunately, in the preseason, uh, it's it's been nil. And mm-hmm. now you got Shawnee Brown starting ahead of him. So I think AI's time with the Lakers uh, might be coming and going real, real quick. Yeah. Yep. And we also have to talk about Siku Dumboya, who the Lakers actually picked up. Yes. They gave one of the two-way spots for that. So we'll get to that next. I do want to get to this super chat here from Hector. Said, what's your level of concern with Russ and injuries? Um, My level of concern, if it was out of 10, 6? Whereas, like, heading into preseason, maybe my level of concern was 3. Like, we haven't seen... We haven't seen good ba- enough good basketball in my mind. I thought tonight we saw flashes of good basketball, enough of them to make me feel better 
Um, I still have some concerns, and a lot of my concerns, too, are that the Lakers' schedule is fairly easy early on. Not the first couple of games, but it's a pretty light schedule early. And my concern is that while they're getting their legs under them, they're going to lose some games to teams that they shouldn't lose to. And one of the keys, in my mind, for the NBA is beating the teams you're supposed to beat. I think because of some of the chemistry issues, some of the speed bumps they're going to have in the early going, you could see them drop some games to teams that they shouldn't, and that could put them in a little bit more of a precarious position when it comes to playoff seating. But obviously a long, long way to go before we really have to worry about that. It's just something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm still maybe in a three uh, with Westbrook on the injury bug. I think that, I don't know, he'll be okay as the season starts, but... Yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take a little bit of time for Russ to get acquainted uh, to playing with two superstars, and I think that it will work out. It will get together. This was the first game the three of them were on the court together, mm-hmm. and we're already seeing flashes. So I'm not too concerned, and uh, I think Westbrook is still healthy. We'll be able to play the whole season and have some guys take some pressure off them. Uh, so Jason from YouTube says, hey, Trevor, do you think Siku will play next game? So let's talk a little bit about him. Siku Duboya, yeah. the Lakers are giving him the open two-way spot. Uh, maybe a little bit of a setback to Shondi Brown and the players like that that were competing for that spot. Again, potentially Joel Ayayi moves out in order to open one up. We could see that happen. Um, hasn't happened yet, though. But Duboya, he was, a couple of years ago, he was the 15th overall pick in the NBA draft. 6'8", with a 6'11", wingspan, pretty solid defensive profile. Only shot 25% from three so far, but still pretty young. A young player, and for a Lakers team right now that's lacking in wings, I think he's worth taking a shot on. And I think, here's the thing, two-way players in the NBA, it used to be, used to be, before last season, before all the COVID stuff hit, you got 45 days. 45 days on a two-way contract that you could spend with the big team, right? So if you were a South Bay Laker or if you want a two-way contract, you could spend 45 days with the Lakers. The rest of the time, you would have to be with the South Bay Lakers. And that included practice, travel days, whatever. And teams said, look, this is too restrictive. Let's not do this. And so now it's 50 games. Practices, things like that, travel, that's not included. You can be with the parent team for 50 games. So in the short term, the Lakers might actually need him. They might actually need him to step on the floor and defend some of the bigger wing players in the NBA. Now, it's going to take some time for him to get brought in and get accustomed to everything, but I think he fills a need in the short term, potentially, right? Kind of a break glass in case of emergency wing defender. And long term, he still has that pretty high draft capital where it's worth taking a shot on him with a two-way contract where you really have zero risk. Yeah, I I think this is a great pickup for the Lakers uh, overall, where there is zero risk because doing a little bit of research into uh, Sekou Demboya, he was really interesting. He had a stretch uh, during his rookie year where he was putting up consistent double-doubles for a little bit, starting even a 24-point game and a viral dunk on Tristan Thompson. Uh, But after that, production just dipped. He went to the G League. And so now he's looking to make his way back and he is more than young enough to do that at a ripe 20 years old for the Los Angeles Lakers. And so um, I think that they found someone who showed major potential, fell off and they can rework him back in and he's an excellent stopgap 
at that wing position um, who does find a way to score and definitely gets his rebounds as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's a it's worth a shot with him, especially yeah. when teams around the NBA are looking for guys with his physical profile. The three-point shooting has got to get better, 25%. If he just Absolutely. continues to shoot 25%, he's not going to go anywhere. But it's worth a shot for the Lakers. Um, Robert, oh, somebody said, Trevor, what's in... What's in the cup? A little something extra to get through <laughs> to get through the night. Now, you guys know a few days ago I I had completely lost my voice over the weekend. It's still a little bit scratchy. So just trying to keep from, you know, my voice breaking up on you guys or anything like that. Uh Robert Gonzalez from YouTube say, hey, hey Trevor, if the deal presented itself by the Grizzlies, would you trade Kendrick Nunn for Desmond Bain if that was an option right now? Hypothetically, of course. Okay, so first of all. Kendrick Nunn, he isn't trade eligible until, I believe, December 15th for him. That's when most guys who signed over the last season become trade eligible. So it's not something they can do right now anyway. But hypothetically, could if you could do it, yes, sign me up. I would do that in a second. And that's part of that is I'm biased. I've interviewed Desmond Bain a number of times. Uh, I've had plenty of opportunities to chat with him. He's a good dude. He's he's a real good dude, and he's a very good player. His shooting ability is tremendous. He was a guy that I liked a lot coming out of the draft. Very, very tough, physical player. Defensively can do a lot for you there. I don't think the Grizzlies would make that swap, but if I'm the Lakers and that was available, yes, I would indeed do that. That's not to say I don't like Kendrick Nunn. I just like what Desmond Bain brings a lot. He was the guy I was hoping the Lakers would wind up selecting if they hung on to that pick, but instead that pick was traded in the deal to get Dennis Schroeder. You know, I, uh, look, while I like Desmond Bain and I really appreciate the personal connection, I can't give up, uh, I can't give up on none before, before it's began. I loved him on the Miami Heat, the tenacity we saw in the playoffs, um, just seeing him be able to really elevate and have those flashes of potential. The fact that he's a little bit older coming into the NBA, uh, this is only, what, his third year and he is, or second year, because the first season he played was so long with the pandemic. And he really brings that defensive tenacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really brings the shooting. And it's just all the way up for Kendrick Nunn from here. So I'm excited to see his potential. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm excited that, that Nunn is a Laker. I think he was a very good pickup for them. I think he's certainly more proven. Uh, a lot of people in the chat mentioning that, that Nunn is better. Yeah, look, Nunn might be better right now in the moment. But I also look at if I just if, forget trading them. And people are saying Nunn took less money to... Uh, to come to the Lakers. Yes, I know. They're not really going to trade him. Forget trading him. Just go back to if you could pick one or the other to put on the Lakers roster and you don't include that none gave up money and then you'd be upsetting him by turning around and trading him. Forget that part. If you could just pick one of them to put on the Lakers, I would lean toward Dez uh, because of the three-point shooting ability and everything else that I mentioned. But again, Kendrick Nunn, I'm excited about him. I think he's a good player, and I can't wait to see what he can bring too. I think you're going to see him used more as a smaller two-guard than as a yeah. true setup point guard, though, and that's where I think we're going to see a lot of Nunn and Westbrook, Nunn and Rondo, and I'm curious to see how that works out. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, I think Rondo is really starting to prove and almost take a little bit of Nunn's role away of what we thought it would be. Um, but I do think Nunn is better as that combo guard because mm-hmm. he really has scoring potential. Whereas, I mean, Rajon Rondo, Hall of Famer, uh, has led the NBA in assists before, uh, is a floor-running master 
and we might want to use him more for that purpose than originally expected. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into, well, let's do it. Let's do the Master Lock of the Night. Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, uh, if you guys have seen, his wrestling journey has taken him over to Poland. He has told me that he will be with us on opening night, though, for uh, oh. on October 19th when the Lakers take on the Warriors. So that's exciting. But uh, if you follow him on Instagram, you've seen his whole journey over to Poland to wrestle over there. He went to uh, Auschwitz, which was, I mean, absolutely blew me away seeing all of the pictures and stuff that he was taking from there. So if you don't follow Chris, uh, go follow him at ChrisMasters310 over on uh, Instagram. But that's where we get the Master Lock of the Night from. So let's get into it. Let me bring up my Master Lock of the Night graphic. And Skylar, that'll give you a moment to think. And chat, let us know who would you put in the master lock from this game. And that's somebody who's just kind of annoying on either team. Somebody that you just think should be put in Chris Masters finishing hold. Here we go. All right, the master lock of the night. Skyler, who do you think should be put in it tonight? I hate to do it because uh -oh. I will be supporting him all season, but uh, it, it's got to be Russell Westbrook for me because the most frustrating part of tonight's game was not seeing him drive the hoop. Uh, what we were talking about earlier, just being too unselfish trying to get mm -hmm. everyone involved. I want to see Russ be Russ. We know he can pass the ball and kick it out and led the NBA in assists last season, but I want to see that aggressive driving to the rim, mean mugging Russell Westbrook. So uh, until I see Russ get a little bit more aggressive, um, I'm sorry to do you like this, Russell Westbrook. Uh, I know that you will be the 360 player soon enough and many times, especially hopefully when playoffs come, but for tonight, man, uh, I grew up watching the Master Lock Challenge, and Russ, you're in it. That's two nights in a row. That's that's two the last two episodes of our show. The Master Lock, well, the last show we had Scorpio Sky as our guest from AEW, so we made it the Scorpion Deathlock, but the recipient was, again, Russell Westbrook. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the Warrior, though. I'm not going to pick a Laker. And I think Westbrook, I understand why you went there. Uh, the turnovers... Not being aggressive enough on the offensive end. I think that's a worthy candidate right there. The guy I'm going to go with, though, oh, it's Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is tremendous. He is an incredible player. But, man, can you chill just a little bit? It's preseason, and he's going out there with something to prove every single night, going 150%, puts up 18 points, five boards, four assists against the Lakers tonight. Hit a couple of threes as well. He also went berserk on the Lakers the last time they played. I put out there on Twitter, Jordan Poole is a ceiling raiser for the Warriors this season. That means that with him playing at this level, their expectations can go up. They can move up a tier with him playing this well, particularly when Klay Thompson comes back. Uh, so Jordan Poole had another great performance against the Lakers. Doesn't seem, he was 7 for 14, but I can't seem to remember him missing any shots because he every time he put, every time he touches the ball, it feels like it's going in. So Jordan Poole, chill a little bit. 
get put in the master lock. Maybe that'll force you to take a little bit of time out and let's calm down a bit during preseason. Hopefully that shot is a little bit more wayward come the regular season on October 19th. Okay. Especially debut night. That's going to be a big one. And uh, we don't want Mr. Poole shooting well. And yeah, Westbrook's master lock is is purely from him not living up to the incredible things that we know mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook can do. Uh, Trevor, I have a quick question, actually. Yeah. Chris Masters, his favorite wrestler, HBK, Shawn Michaels. Yep. Has he heard a little bit about the HBK nickname? Any, any thoughts on uh, giving it to Austin Reeves in this case? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Well, Chris, I believe, said HBK is, is Shawn Michaels. But I think the HBK name is going to stick for Austin Reeves. Like, I'm yeah. seeing more and more people using it on Twitter. I've used it on Twitter. I think it's going to become a bit of a meme there. So, yeah, I think it's going to stick. Uh, we'll see. But, I, I mean, it's all in fun. Everybody knows the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. That's the real HBK. This is more just kind of a fun thing with a new Lakers player. And if we're going all out on the fun, uh, we might need to incorporate, incorporate Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy theme song into the Austin Reeves memes. Uh, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. We'll figure out a way to, to do that. We're going to, I'm sure, stuff like that's going to start coming out really soon. Awesome. All right, let's get into a, uh, a couple more questions and comments before we call it a night. Uh, somebody asking, oh, somebody saying it should have been Chris Kioza for, for hitting shots that Steph Curry would make normally. Yeah. 17 minutes, eight, eight points for him. He was a plus 16 on the night for the Warriors. Part of that was he was playing garbage time minutes, but yes, another worthy person to put in there. Uh, let's see. Oh. From behind, he looked weirdly like Steph Curry on his sleeve as well. He does, and it's and it was like I almost thought, did Steph just check himself into this game? Like in the fourth quarter, yeah, he got he got his whole arm just to get up. out there. Yeah. Um, though the other thing, the other with players kind of looking alike, Rajon Rondo and Kent Bazemore, switch your jerseys. Knock this off. I'm put Rondo back in nine. It's driving me crazy so every time confusing. I look up. Yeah. I see number nine and my brain registers Rondo and it's Baysmore. And it just it it's just not right. Just just trade jerseys, guys. Do it for us. Please. It'll make life a lot easier. And Rondo might want that jersey back. I mean, I can't see Rajon Rondo being like overly nice, not being assertive, asking for his jersey. But I have a feeling somewhere Rondo wants that number nine. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all to me. And yeah, I think Rondo was on the Lakers two years ago. Let's give him the same. Well, number. I think Bazemore claimed it because he signed before Rondo. So he was able to get the number and then Rondo was brought in after he was released. That took some time. So uh, somebody uh, say it's because I've got a number nine Rondo jersey. No, it's not because of that. It's really because of, of watching the game um, and that whole thing. That's why I still feel like I can wear the Rondo number nine. All right. Oh, 100%. That's the champion. Exactly. That's the playoff Rondo championship jersey. That's what we're that's what we're going with. So I'll keep wearing that one. All right. Uh we've got a question here. What needs to improve about the Lakers offense? I think the biggest thing is the turnovers. Cut down on turnovers on the offensive end, and a lot of other things are going to take care of themselves. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's a tale as old as time in, in sports and in basketball and mm-hmm. football, and it is the turnovers. That is by far the biggest team uh, standout from the preseason that won't carry over as badly. But sometimes when things are as jarring as that in the preseason, you do have to look out for them. So the Lakers will need to reduce reduce turnovers, and it's particularly figuring out those Russ crisscross passes that you mentioned were getting picked off. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. Um, I, I think one last thing to, to talk about too before we go here: the number of injuries the Lakers have suffered in preseason. That's got to be a little bit alarming. But then also look at tonight: no Ariza, no two, THT. Those guys are out long term. So THT, we heard today. He's getting reevaluated in four weeks. So that's a good sign, but reevaluated does not mean returning. Uh, reevaluated means they're going to check on him in four weeks and see where he's at, and then we'll get an updated timetable. So don't think, oh, okay, mark your calendars. He's back middle of November. It could still take a while after that. And remember, it's a shooting hand, so that's going to make the recovery process a little bit trickier in terms of getting back up to speed with shooting the basketball. But still, that's overall, that's a good thing because a lot of us were seeing six weeks before they are going to kind of reevaluate. No, it's going to be four, so that's a good sign. But no reason, no THD, no Wayne Ellington, no Malik Monk, no Kendrick Nunn. So you lost a lot of your wing-style shooters in this, right? Ariza, Ellington, Monk, and Nunn were some of the additions that the Lakers brought in to help space the floor. All of them were out in this game. And then THT, one of the guys that you brought in to help your perimeter defense, which I thought was a bit of a problem for the Lakers tonight, particularly with their closeouts to the three-point line. I, I think we noticed these guys missing tonight. And I think a lot of these guys, except for Ariza and THT, will be back for opening night. Monk is questionable, but the other guys, I think, pretty certain. None, uh, Ellington, those guys will be available come opening night. Yeah, definitely. Like, we talk about floor spacing tonight. They were missing so many guys who are going to make that so much easier as the season goes on. Tonight was simply about the big three getting their feet wet, playing together, and there really isn't a ton of reason to be concerned considering the circumstances, the lack of a lineup, the preseason factor. Um, Again, I think there's actually a lot of positive takeaways from tonight and flashes of what we can see as things begin to come together because this this was game like Mm 0.5. For the big three. This is not even game one. This is not October 19th. Uh, This is just them getting their feet wet. So exactly. I think the Lakers will be fine on the offensive end and the defensive end and still banner number 18. Let's hope for it. I, I would definitely love to see that. Everybody coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, thank you guys for joining us. The Lakers do take on the Sacramento Kings on Thursday, one final tune up. Before the regular season starts up, we will go live right after that one as well. Don't forget, subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, go over and subscribe on YouTube. We put out new Lakers videos every single day, so make sure you're subscribed and turn on those notifications as well. That's it for tonight. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.